Real estate investing can be a great way to build up a passive income, but is it the right move for you? Learn about some of the different options that are out there and what you need to know before jumping in. Welcome to Simplify and Enjoy, the podcast and community focused on helping families have less stress and more options through minimalism and financial independence. I'm your host, El Martinez. This podcast is sponsored by Coastal Credit Union. Coastal's mission is to help you live a better life by offering you a better way to bank. Find out how at bankbetter.org. We've been talking a lot this season about diversifying and building your income streams. Part of it is in reaction to the past year or so we've had, with some industries being hit hard with job losses and hours cut, having another source of income can soften the blow. But even if work is going well, that second income stream or additional income stream that you build can give you more options and flexibility. We spoke with Modern Frugality creator Jen Smith about working from home. We also talked about entrepreneurship and building a portfolio of income streams with author Michelle Jackson. Today, we're talking about another opportunity to build your income through real estate investing. If you ever watch shows on HDTV or follow DIY influencers on social media, it looks fun and exciting, right? These transformations can be dramatic, and when they go ahead and sell these properties, sometimes those numbers look tempting. Or maybe you love this idea of having a passive income stream through owning properties and renting them out. But is it really that easy? What does real estate investing actually involve? How can you get started if you're interested? And how can you be a smarter investor? I'm happy Rachel Richards is joining in today's episode. She's an author and real estate investor with over 30 properties. With the income their properties are generating, she and her husband are able to be financially free. In this episode, we're going to get into different ways to invest in real estate, understanding what's really involved with investing and finding properties, and a peek at how Rachel and her husband got started with investing and built up their property portfolio. Are you ready? Let's get started. When you're talking about real estate investing, there are really so many different avenues you can take with us. Some of them are very passive, while others require a lot with finances, time, and in some cases, sweat equity. I thought it would be handy to give a high-level, quick overview of the different types so that you can sit down and discuss which options appeal to you the most based on your goals and circumstances. Let's start off with something that many people are familiar with, especially if they watch HGTV, which is flipping houses. This is where you take a property, you fix it up and renovate it so that you can sell it for a higher price and make a tidy profit. On TV and on social media, this seems exciting. And yes, the transformations look incredible in some cases, but you really have to know your skill set and run the numbers. Now, if you're skilled with a trade, this can be fantastic. But if you are relying on contractors, you have to be on top of it to make sure not just that you're staying within budget, but that it is passing inspection and that there's quality work involved. 
This is a very hands-on process. So if you're just starting out, it might not be the best fit for you. Another way to earn income with real estate investing is rental properties. You can either buy a property that is move-in ready for tenants or buy one that you fix up. And within that space of rental properties, there's also house hacking. For example, you could buy a duplex, live on one side and rent out the other. Another situation is where you buy a property and you live in it for a certain amount of time. And then later on, either because you're moving to a different area or need a different space, you keep that property and then rent it out. Let's say though, that you're more the hands-off type. You're not really interested in getting into the weeds in the day-to-day of managing properties. There are still options out there for you. Are you the type of person that loves the low-key aspects of investing in index funds? Then you might be interested in real estate investment trusts or REITs. REITs are great to be in your investment portfolio. They can be publicly traded and you don't need a lot of money to get started. Plus, if you want to get out, you can sell at any time. Then you also have real estate investment groups where your money is pooled with other investors as they buy properties. This can take a lot of research because you want to make sure that you are investing in a reputable and credible group. And then finally, another way that you can invest with others is with real estate limited partnerships. And this is like an investment group that you're pooling your money with others, but it is for a limited time. At the end of it, the properties are sold and you benefit from that. So there you have it. A high level view of some of the different options you have when it comes to real estate investing. It's one thing to read about real estate investing and another to actually go do it. I want to share a recent chat I had with Rachel Richards about how she and her husband got started, the lessons they learned along the way, and how they built up enough cash flow to hit their financial freedom number and for her to quit her job at 27. I've been talking about diversifying income and why it's so important this past year and a half has been really a great reminder of, well, not great circumstances, but just a a reminder that you don't want to depend on one income stream when something happens. Real estate investing, a lot of people have questions about that. What does that look like? And you've become quite the expert on this owning properties. You were able to retire at 27? Yes, I was able to retire at 27. We actually started investing in real estate when I was 24. So it took us only three years. That's incredible. I know that didn't just happen by accident. You had to have a plan and you had to put that in place. I want to take a step back and ask what made you look at diversifying your income, particularly passive through real estate investing? Yeah, it really started at a pretty young age in my childhood. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a very wealthy county. It was a very unrealistic bubble to grow up in. So my family was not in poverty. We weren't poor. Like we always had food on the table. Yeah. But compared to my peers, I always felt poor mm-hmm. because there were kids in my high school that were getting brand new BMWs when they turned 16. <laughs> right. <laughs> my family was not operating that way. I mean, we weren't mm-hmm. going out to eat at restaurants, let alone driving new cars or going on family trips. 
So at a pretty young age, I felt like I didn't fit in and that's not the way you want to feel in middle school and high school. I remember thinking to myself, I don't want to end up like everyone else struggling with money. I don't want to have to operate on a strict budget or borrow money from family and friends to make it to my next paycheck. I wanted to be different. I realized then that what I did then could either set me up for wealth or for poverty. This realization, which I'm sure took the place over the course of a few years, Mm -hmm. but this kind of lit a fire within me. I had a lot of limiting beliefs growing up because of our household. Like money was always a stressor. There was a never enough. It was always a bad thing. We didn't like money. And they do say that fear can be motivating or paralyzing. Yeah. Luckily for me, the fear was motivating. And I took that situation and I said, I don't want to end up like this. I want to become financially independent. And I never, ever want to be in a place where I have to make a decision based on whether I have enough money or not. Okay. I can completely relate to that. Just having that freedom and flexibility is definitely one of those things that pulled me towards a financial independence space. But I have two questions based on what you were telling me. First off, Do you remember the first resources, whether it's a book, podcast, blog, where you encountered financial independence? Yes. The first one where I encountered money management was actually, I was in sixth grade. I was in a summer camp and I was the little nerd, like reading a book by the pool instead of playing. I've I've been a nerd my whole life. I love it. I read the Motley Fool's Guide for Teens, How to Have More Money Than Your Parents Ever Dreamed Of, something like that. So that was exciting. That That set me off on a path of learning as much as I could. But then the first book I read about real estate investing, where that started to click for me was when I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad in high school. Okay. And I was like, this is it. This is my way out. This is what I'm going to do. It's fascinating how you click that together. It takes sometimes people well into adulthood to figure out, hey, I I just want to go on a different path. So when you met your now husband, What were those initial conversations? Did you know from the get-go, I want to pursue financial independence? Do you want to join me? Was he already on board or did you have to have some conversations to get on the same page? Yeah. So I was already on board and and Mm -hmm. learning and trying to work towards that. From past relationships that I'd had Mm -hmm. with other guys that I dated, I kind of knew well, here's what I don't want, right? I think that's a a lot (laughs) of what That's important too. Yeah, exactly. So I specifically wanted somebody that was ambitious and was entrepreneurial and Mm like-minded like I was. And interestingly, when I met my husband, Andrew, I learned a few weeks after we started dating that he had tried to do this t-shirt printing business on Etsy, where he was trying to make these Mm. t-shirts and designs and sell them. And it didn't work out. I think he lost some money on the inventory, but I thought it was amazing. I was like, this is great. Like, I don't care if it didn't work out, but like, you're out there trying, you're trying to make something happen. And clearly you have the same values and mindset that I have. So once I told him about real estate investing and the power of that, he was immediately on board. He was like, this is great. Let's do it. So I didn't have to convince him. I more, I more so just had to educate him. Well, that's great that you guys were able to get on the same page fairly quickly. One of the like draws of real estate investing is this idea of it's going to be passive. But you and I know, even with those income streams, initially there has to be some investment time, finances, whatever it is, might be some skill sets involved. For you and Andrew, what did you have to do to get started with real estate investing? 
Yes, absolutely. I'm glad you bring that up because there's mm-hmm. so many misconceptions now about passive income. So I like to talk about what it is, what it's not. Mm-hmm. The way I define passive income is that it's money that is earned with little to no ongoing effort. Okay. Is it a get rich quick scheme? No, absolutely not. Farthest thing from it. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of time or money to invest to create the passive income stream. I like to look at it in two stages. In stage mm-hmm. one, you're investing a ton of time, a ton of money. Maybe you're looking for rentals, learning how to do rentals. You're making offers, closing on a mm-hmm. property, renovating, get your, getting your tenants in. That's all stage one. That's a lot of work. But then once you have it going or you have your income stream launched, then it becomes a lot more hands-off. That's when you enter stage two, where it's a lot more passive. Okay. But there aren't a lot of things that are truly 100% passive. Most yeah. passive income streams will require a couple hours a week or a few hours a month to maintain them. With real estate specifically, I always tell people you have to have a property manager Mm -hmm. if you want it to be anything close to passive income, because once you get a lot of units, it will be a full-time job. And none of us want to quit our full-time job to become a (laughs) full-time landlord. (laughs) True. True. So a little bit kind of into the numbers in the process, because obviously buying property, you have to put a down payment of some sort. Like you mentioned, sometimes it means renovating a property or getting it up to standard so you can get a good cash flow from it. First off, how did you adjust your budget so you could start saving, I'm assuming a significant amount of money to start putting that down payment? Yes. I'm glad you asked. A lot of people see that I scaled my empire so quickly and they assume I'm a trust fund baby. I like to clarify that I'm not a trust fund baby and I never made six figures from a job or career ever in my life. I started off after I graduated making $36,000. It wasn't like I was making some huge income where I could save a ton of money. But even then I was very frugal and I was saving 50% of my income. I was living off something like $1,500 a month in Louisville, Kentucky. Another advantage I had is that I paid my way through school by selling Cutco cutlery. Have you heard of Cutco knives? Yeah, I have. Yeah, Yeah. it's a direct sales company. I did that and I paid my way through school and I graduated debt-free. And my husband also graduated debt-free because he is a veteran and he used his military benefits to pay for his school. So it sounds like you guys took any opportunity you could. One, uh, on the income side, trying to earn some extra income pay as you go for college, but then any advantage, like being a veteran, that bill to keep your costs, that's commendable. So how did you stay motivated? Because like you said, you were living pretty frugally. How do you, when you might have friends that are you know, getting a new car, they're upgrading because they finished school and now they want to get a bigger place. How did you keep each other in check and keep each other motivated? Yeah, it was so difficult because at one point we were making probably more money than any of our friends because we were both working full time. We had this rental income. And then when I released my books, those were making money. But we saw all of our friends passing us by in terms of lifestyle. They were upgrading and getting fancy houses and buying beautiful new cars and doing all these things that we weren't doing because we were trying to save money. So that was difficult. I I knew that in the long run, it was going to be worth it, Mm -hmm. but it was hard to continue to sacrifice and feel like I was missing out on certain things. So that was definitely difficult. I just think it's so important to have a single-minded focus on Mm -hmm. what your motivation is. 
to always be able to go back to that. Cause if your motivation for achieving something is strong enough, mm-hmm. nothing's going to stop you or get in your way. I'm actually reading this book called, I think it's called the compound effect by Darren Hardy. It's so good. He talks about this and he's like, oh, if I okay. give you a $20 bill to walk across a plank between two buildings, would you do it? Most people wouldn't, right? It's 20 mm-hmm. bucks. It's not worth it. But if your child was on the other building and it was on fire and you had to walk across to save them, would you do it? It's like, of course, any parent yeah. would do that. So it's a great example to illustrate how is your motivation strong enough? Is your why strong enough where nothing's going to stop you from getting in the way? If you know that for sure, then mm-hmm. everything else will be easy. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's the step that we kind of gloss over when I talk to couples and they're trying to figure out their plan. The first thing I said is like, can you describe to me what you guys are trying to work for the next year, the next five years, try to avoid the general, like I'm going to, you know, just retire. Well, what does that look like? Uh, Would you like to travel? What are your plans? Do you want to stay in the same place? You think, well, that's not a big deal. I'm just going to, you know, figure it out as I go. But having a plan and having your why, as you said, your motivation makes a huge difference. Absolutely. Um, I want to dig in a little bit more about that with real estate investing. Your first property was a duplex, correct? Yes, it was a duplex that we found in Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. Can you take me back a little bit? Like what kind of work involved? Like how did you find it? What were the biggest surprises, your first property, buying it, and then getting it ready to rent out? Oh, for sure. And I'm happy to go into numbers too. But in terms of how we found it, I had my real estate license and I still do. Mm -hmm. It was never for the purpose of having having clients. I just had it for my own purposes as a real estate investor. I had MLS access that other people don't typically have. Okay. One of the things I did though, it wasn't like a deal I really found on the MLS that it was listed there. It was an expired slash canceled listing. I was looking through all the expired and canceled listings on the MLS to see if there was anything intriguing. Sometimes the owner just can't sell it because they're asking for too much or they Mm -hmm. take it off the market and they're going to relist it or whatever reason. I was like, well, maybe if I follow up with some of these Mm -hmm. where there's less competition, I'll luck out. And I did, I found this duplex. I was like, this one looks great. I wonder if they're going to relist. I reached out to the listing agent and I asked her, And I basically followed up with her on email once a month or so for six months to stay top of mind. A lot of people are afraid to do that because they they don't want to be seen as being annoying or whatever, but it was just a friendly email. It was just, Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, I'm super interested in this. If your seller is going to be putting it back on the market soon, I'd love to make an offer. It was just me politely reminding them that I'm interested to stay top of mind. And it worked out because right before they were going to relist it, they reached out, they said, Hey, we're going to put it back on the market, but do you want to make an offer? I was like, yes, I'm going to make an offer. That was a huge advantage because I didn't have to beat out all these other buyers that would have been interested. I made a reasonable offer and Mm -hmm. they accepted. I think the lesson to be learned for for other new investors is be patient because it can take a long time to find the right deal. This is after we made an offer on other properties. This is after we even had an accepted contract on another property that fell through So this was Mm. months and months. It took us nine months. We were discouraged by then, but because we didn't settle, this first deal that we did is still the best deal we have ever done to date. 
And that's because we were patient. So I like to just share that story as a reminder that you will find a property eventually. I love that. I think, I mean, whether you're buying a home to own it or to rent it, I mean, it really does pay, like you said, to be patient and just, you don't want to let your emotions get to the point where you're not making financial sense. I've seen people rush into buying, like, I just have to have it. If I don't have it, I'll never get a house, you know, or I really want to get into real estate investing and it's hot market. And they're like, I can't wait, or it's going to get worse. And that like fear of missing out really just sabotages what could be a great deal down the line if they just waited a little bit longer. Exactly. And you said a a great thing. Yeah. You said to not let your emotions impact you, which is so, so true. Cause you don't want to be, you don't want to be acting in a place of desperation when it comes Mm -hmm. to your first property. So yeah, I like the way that you put that. Yeah. And I want to talk about how you built this up. You seem like someone who's like very strategic and you have a plan. So that first property was like 500 a month cash flow. How did yes. you go from there for your second property? Like, was that nine, another nine months? How did that accelerate? Were you reinvesting in the business, taking that cash flow for the next down payment? Or how was that arranged? Let's start with the, that first one, which is that duplex. Okay. This was a hundred grand. Mm-hmm. By the time we bought it, my husband and I had both been working for a few years. So we mm-hmm. each had 10 grand saved that we put together to get to the 20% down payment. Okay. So for that first one, we essentially depleted our savings. So we were, mm-hmm. we were willing to take on that level of risk. Cause that is risky. Mm-hmm. We depleted our savings, but because I was the buyer's agent on that deal, representing myself, mm-hmm. I immediately got a commission check back for a few thousand dollars. So that's having nice. my realtor license was an enormous advantage that allowed us to scale quickly. Okay. Not only was I saving all the commissions, but we mm-hmm. were still, and by then we were making more money. So we were still saving 50% of our income and all of the cash flow we were now generating, we were saving 100% of that. So one thing we did well mm-hmm. is that we didn't allow lifestyle creep to impact us. We weren't saying, yeah. oh, we're making $500 a month more now. Let's spend this and let's let off the brakes a little bit. We can live it up. We were mm-hmm. very strict and disciplined between all of those different things, we were able to come up with down payment after down payment. Okay. Yeah. The more rentals we got, the more cash flow we were making, the quicker we could save money. So it was kind of this snowball effect where we just gained more and more momentum. After that first property, it took us, I think it was nine or 10 months to close on the second property. Okay. And then like six months after that, and then three months after that, something like that. So it kept getting faster and faster. With the two of you, when you were creating this plan and your portfolio of properties, was there a point where you're saying this is the goal for cash flow? Like when we hit X amount a month, we're good with this? Or was this more of a certain amount of properties? Like what was that goal or metric that you guys have for this passive income or this income stream? Our goal was $10,000 a month. We came mm-hmm. up with that because I think at the time living in Louisville, Kentucky, our living expenses were six or eight grand a month, something like that we were wanting to have 10 grand a month in passive income so that we could still save a decent amount and just have that buffer room. Like we didn't want to be cutting it too close. So that's why we aimed for 10 grand. A lot of people ask me, you know, why am I not buying more rental properties? Why am I still not building out this empire and becoming this huge real estate mogul? I always answer that was never the goal. 
-hmm. we were never so passionate about real estate investing that we wanted to build this huge empire. It was just a means to an end for us. Once we got to the point where we were making 10 grand a month in passive income, that's mm -hmm. when we were financially independent. And now we can work when, where, and if we want because of it. So yeah. we stopped then and now we're able to enjoy our lifestyle because of that. But that's kind of why we, we haven't wanted to create some huge empire. Yeah. I, I think that should be mentioned. A lot of times people are like, Hey, I have X amount of properties. So I'm making this up this amount. It's like every year it grows and there's nothing wrong with that if that's what they want, but there's not enough discussion about like, here's our enough in terms of we're happy here. If it grows another opportunity, but you guys are in a great spot where you have that flexibility and freedom, take your foot off, you know, the brakes and kind of just coast a little bit, especially this past year. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's easy to get caught up in this sense of like enough is never enough. And once you make this amount, it's like, well, let's make this amount. Let's make this amount. You kind of lose sight of the initial reason you're doing it in the first place. And it's fine mm -hmm. to, to want to make more and more money if that's truly what you want. But it's really all about living intentionally mm -hmm. and knowing what you want and why and sticking to that. Yeah, absolutely. I know there's going to be couples listening and they're thinking, this is something I want to look into more. I know you um, have a book specifically about this, about passive income and aggressive retirement. What other first steps would you recommend for couples interested in learning more about real estate investment? Yeah, for sure. And so, thanks for mentioning my book, Passive Income, yeah. Aggressive Retirement. Another great resource is Bigger Pockets. They are like the real estate experts. They have a blog, a podcast, a website. There's another book called Hold by Steve Chater that I think is amazing. So those are some resources. But in terms of next steps, mm -hmm. I would say the first thing to ask yourself is, do you have more time or money to invest into creating passive income? Because you need one or the other. Now, if you're anything like I was a few years ago, you would say, well, I have neither. I don't have time and I don't have money. <laughs> the next question to ask yourself is which, which one will be easier for you to create more of? Will it be easier for you to free up more time or to create more money? And then you can go from there because real estate mm -hmm. investing is not the only type of passive income. There mm -hmm. are tons of others. In my book, I talk about 28 different types. So there's plenty out there. Yeah. There are some that require a ton of time upfront and very little money. There are others that require a ton of time, a ton of money and no time. So you have to get clear on which resource you have more of and narrow it down from there. Okay. Well, I love this. This is fantastic, Rachel. Thanks. Not only answering my questions, but being open and transparent about the work that's involved to build and diversify your income streams. So if anyone wants to learn more from you, I know, I believe you have a course as well. Where's the best way they can find you? Yes. Thank you so much. Well, I'd love mm -hmm. to give your listeners my passive income starter kit for free so they can oh, hit the ground okay. running. Yeah. So they can go to moneyhoneyrachel.com slash bonus to download that. And then they'll be, you'll be on my email list. So you'll get uh, notified if I come out with any new courses. This segment is brought to you by Republic Wireless. Looking for affordable smartphones, nationwide coverage, and plans that don't cost your family a fortune? Switch to Republic Wireless. I've been a member for around nine years and love them. Bring your own or grab one of their phones, like a Samsung Galaxy or Moto G. With plans starting at $15 a month, what's not to love? Find out all they offer at republicwireless.com. 
before we wrap up, I want to share a few key takeaways I got from speaking with Rachel and preparing this episode. The first one is find a way to diversify your income streams. Throughout this season, we've been talking about different ways that you can diversify. And maybe real estate investing is not the right path for you. And that's fine. You can still do things like freelance. In the case of Michelle, she talked about creating her own products. Whatever it is, find something that you enjoy and that can improve your cash flow. If you do decide that you want to get into real estate investing, my second takeaway is research and discuss how active or passive you want to be with it. How does this fit in with your big picture and financial plan? Are you more interested in investing or would you like to be more hands-on? Having these discussions ahead of time allow you to narrow down on what part of real estate investing is a better fit for you and then you can move your finances accordingly. Finally, since we're talking about finances, you have to run the numbers. You really want to be objective when it comes to real estate. What down payment can you afford? What cash flow can you expect? And what do you need? Knowing these numbers and having them in front of you will help you be a more objective investor. Look, we really just scratched the surface on this topic today. So if you want to discuss this more, ask questions, swap ideas and resources, and maybe talk about your goals for the year with real estate investing or anything else, don't forget to join us in the Thriving Families Facebook group. It's free. We're there to help each other out with our family and financial goals. Just head over to simplifyandenjoy.com slash FB. We'd love to see you there. Special thanks to Rachel for being a part of this episode. If you want to start diversifying your income, I'll have a link to both her books and the Passive Starter Income Kit in the show notes, along with other helpful resources. Even though I do believe that diversifying your income is a smart move, let's not ignore the most common one people have, their nine to five job. Next week on the podcast, we're going to be talking about how to optimize it. And if you're in a position where you're getting a raise, how to make sure that that raise is helping you achieve your financial goals faster. So if you don't want to miss out on that episode, make sure you're subscribed. We're on Apple, Spotify, Overcast. You get the idea. Where you prefer to listen, we'll be there. Our theme song is from Staircases, additional music by various artists from audio. Finally, and most importantly, thank you so much for your support. These episodes are based on your questions, your ideas, and feedback. So I really appreciate you taking the time to share them. And if you want to help out with future episodes, please join our community. It's free. Just head over to simplifyandenjoy.com slash join. I hope you have a wonderful week. Take care.